How about them Astros? Pretty cool, huh? Some of you guys are lacking sleep. You're glad that you had an extra hour of sleep because of all the sleep you've lost over the last few weeks. So that's exciting stuff, man. My Rangers, we're still waiting. We'll have another prayer service for the Rangers, okay? What about that Jose Altuve guy? Five foot six, 160 pounds, sopping wet with the Gatorade. Man, he's a small guy, right? But hey, listen, the story about Jose Altuve is he showed up a few years ago to try out for a professional baseball team, and they turned him away. They looked at him and said, hey, you're not good enough just by looking at him. You're too small. You're not going to be able to do this. And they sent him away and went home. And so he and his dad had a conversation, and they talked a little bit. And his dad said, hey, there's going to be more scouts, more teams there tomorrow. Let's go, let's go do it tomorrow. So they're in the backyard. They practice a little bit and then go the next day, and they show up. And there's this club called the Houston Astros there. And they said, let's give them a try. Soon enough, after a little bit of time, they realize, hey, the guy can hit, the guy can throw, and the guy can run. Let's try this and see it. And they signed him, and everything else is history. In that moment, he could have easily, when someone said he wasn't good enough, turned away and walked away and believed that to be true and instead continued to go back. And listen, all of us at some point in our lives are going to hear those words ring in our ears, you're not good enough. Now, all of us hear it in different ways for different things. And there are moments that we need to hear that, that, hey, maybe we're not as good in certain things. Maybe we need to practice more. Or maybe that's not our gift. But in certain ways, we need to hear that that is not the truth for us where God is leading us. And so that find your true identity in Jesus Christ. Albert Einstein, whenever he was in school, about 14 years of age, the head, headmaster of his school said, this guy will, the little note at the end, end of the little thing there, said, this guy will amount to nothing. Albert Einstein turned out to be quite something, didn't he? Edison failed many times, over a thousand times before we got this little thing that now there's thousands of watts coming through here, this light bulb. Some of you are in the process of figuring out who you are and what God has for you, and you're going to fail over and over and over again. Find where God is leading you and directing you and find the identity that He has for you. This morning, as we continue this series on identity theft and thinking about who God is, you know the story and what He has for you. We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 4. So some of you know the story. If you've been around church for a little bit, you know the story of this guy named Moses. And Moses' story was he was a young man as a little baby, actually. There was an edict that was passed in Egypt, and any children that were young children that were Hebrew were to be killed. And so he fit that bill, and so his mom, taking care of him, put him in a basket and put him down the river and hoping, just hoping, hoping, hoping that he would live through that. And so the um, queen of Egypt found him, and amazingly, coincidentally, Moses' mom became the nursemaid and began to take care of Moses and raised him up within the household of the Pharaoh of Egypt. And so he had a great privilege. And so those things that, that God sometimes provides for us, opportunities that others would look on the outside and say, hey, that doesn't make sense. God is working uniquely in through us and through our story. And so sometimes when you get frustrated with where God's taking you and the places that he's putting you and you're like, hey, this is not my plan, just trust maybe that God's in the midst of this working out and he has greater things for you than maybe what you can even imagine. So that's part of Moses' story. Here's a young man who traveled down a river and becomes part of the family of Pharaoh and experiences the training and the education that the children of the Pharaoh would have because God had a greater plan for the people, the Hebrew people, to provide freedom for them. And 
Moses didn't quite understand at the time. And so here he is. He's, he understands who he is. His heritage. He understands he's adopted. And so one day he sees some of his people being abused. And so he steps in at that injustice. And in the midst of that, he kills someone. And in fear of what, the, uh, what could happen to him, he runs away. And in his running away, he spends time in another land and kind of hangs out and becomes a shepherd. Now, how many of you think that, hey, here's a guy who has a doctorate degree and he's a shepherd? That doesn't quite fit, does it? Those two things aren't there. But he has this moment, a time of training as a shepherd hanging out there. And in the midst of that, one day God shows up and says, Moses, I'm calling you to bring out your people and to bring them to freedom. Now, hanging out with sheep, you don't do a whole lot of public speaking. Imagine you're just going around going, bah, bah. You know, you're not, it's not a whole lot of words that you got. So Moses is called to speaking, and we understand that Moses was kind of a shy guy. He wasn't an extrovert, and so shepherding in some ways was probably a relief for him. He could do his thing and then go hang out with the sheep and then come home at night. And, but now God's called him to be a very public figure. And so he's kind of in this moment, whenever God calls him and speaks to him, he's dealing with this thing called, I'm not good enough. Anybody ever experienced that? Only me, okay? Me and Moses, we're the only ones. All right, so that when God calls you to something, and you're like, God, are you sure? Do you realize who I am? God, do you think about my past? Do you really know me? And so here's Moses in that very moment. God speaks to him, and he begins to have the big butt syndrome. But God, but God, but God, do you know my past? I killed people. And God's like, hey, yeah, but do you remember that I provided for you? And in that moment, you were in Pharaoh's house, and all the education, all the training, everything that you got was exactly for this moment so that you could lead the people out of Israel. And then Moses says, but God, when I go back to the people and begin to tell them who I am, they're going to go, hey, you're the guy that ran away. When things got tough, you ran away. And he goes, yes, I know, but here's some things that you could do. And so if you look in Exodus chapter 4, he begins this dialogue with God and God says, hey, listen, you have this staff I've given you. Throw it down, it'll become a snake, and then you pick it up, and it will become a staff again. That would be pretty impressive, right? If I were to do that right here, you'd go, wow, that's pretty good stuff. And uh, I could probably convince you where we're going to go eat to lunch after I did that, right? And so you'd imagine, here's Moses being able to do all these things, and you know the river will turn to blood, and all this different stuff, some amazing miracles. And so God's talking to him, and he says, but God, still, surely I'm not enough for this call. And so... I want you to grasp where are you at in your life and what's God calling you to do in the next phases that you're holding on to. As we look at Exodus chapter 4, starting in verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. How many of you have a perfect path? God calls us to do something. None of you. How many of us in those moments, God calls us to do something we begin easily go back and say, hey, God, but... Because we know that when we begin to, to do an examination of ourselves, that's one of the things about being called by God and some of these specific things that He asks us to do to, to be out in front, maybe in, in that moment as we begin to do a true examination of where we're at and our true examination of our walk with God. And we begin to look at, at our heart and begin to look at some of the deep recesses of our heart and begin to say, hey, there's some stuff in there that I don't want anyone else to know about, I don't want anybody to deal with. But we know in those moments that we're going to have to deal with that stuff so that we can be what God wants us to be and called to do in those things. And so, so many of us, our past hold us back. And God's saying, listen, I've redeemed you. You're the old is gone. You're a new creation. Let's 
start with the new creation. I'm not calling the old Chris. I'm not calling the old John. I'm not calling the old Sally. I'm not calling the old Susie. I'm calling the new person in Christ. Yes, your past is your past. And yes, it does in some ways has gotten you to where you're at. But I'm calling the new person to this new identity, to this new task, to this new job. Let's move past that and get to the new place. Neither in the past nor have you spoken nor have I spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. I'll tell you, whenever God called me to do this, I laughed. I thought there is no way that you're calling this guy to be a preacher. Whenever I walked down the halls in high school, I would look people, look at people and I would see them and I would immediately put my head down because they might engage me in conversation. Extreme introvert. The first time I preached a sermon, I preached three sermons in three minutes. And the back of my Bible began to just rip apart. After the first three months of preaching, my Bible began to rip apart. Not because I was hellfire and brimstone, but because I was sweating so much. My hands were like literally ringing. Water was running down. So I had to get a new Bible because the back of my Bible was coming apart. Listen, when God calls you to something, it may not be easy in those moments, but God will continue to work and transform and to do His stuff in you. The lie that we begin to believe is that what people lie is that we begin to base our life and our worth based upon what people say about you. Some of you are 40, 50 years old and you still believe a lie that someone said about you in high school or junior high. That you're ugly, that you're fat, you're not smart enough or whatever and you still believe that or someone else. And so you give people worth, you give people value that don't even know you, don't even care about you, you're not even part of your life anymore and you still hold on to things from the past. You're giving yourself You're basing your worth on what people say about you. The only person that matters is the person of Jesus Christ and what he says about you. And he says to you, you are redeemed. The old is gone. The new is here. You have a new future, a new promise, and that you're a child of God. And he says to you, you are a unique creation. I do not make junk. So look at the person next to you. Say, God does not make junk. Oh, some of you are not convinced. All right. Look at the other person next to you. If there's nobody there, just pretend that there's somebody there. Hey, God does not make junk. All right. Listen, if we could believe that and truly begin to live out that, that would radically change some of your lives. That you guys are mired in stuff that other people have told you that are not true and you believe that. And your identity is found in what either people say about you. And the only reason that those people say that about you is because there's something about you that they want and they crave. And so they're trying to, to knock you down to bring you to their level to raise themselves up. Quit believing the lies that other people tell you. And begin, as we talked about a few weeks, take those thoughts captive. And begin to speak the truth of Scripture into that. And say, listen, I am a child of God. I am one of a kind. I am loved. I am cherished and begin to allow those truths to overwhelm those false things, those lies that you've believed and bring those things captives, the lies of what you've based your life on. Look, continuing in verse 11 of chapter 4 of Exodus. So the Lord said to him, God sometimes is really actually pretty funny. So this is kind of a comedy moment. The Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? 
Now go. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Sounds pretty powerful, doesn't it? God were to say that, hey, I've got it. Even the words that you say are not going to be your words. They're going to be my words. Just go do it. You just begin to speak, and it's going to come out. And then here's what Moses says. Oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. We laugh because that's us. Right? Hey, God, send anyone else to be a preacher but me or my kids. Send anyone else to be a missionary to Africa but me and my kids. We don't want, want it to impact us. And then we, we have all this because we understand fully what sometimes what the cost is going to be for us and for our family if we truly sell out to what God is calling us to do. And here Moses is. It's a perfect fit. God has done everything he could possibly do to put Moses on the path to be a part of the redemption story of the Hebrew people. And he's standing on the precipice of joining God and doing something incredibly great. And he sees it and he understands it. And he says, God... Anybody but me. Because I know that those people, I know those people, they're going to complain. I know those people are going to throw a fit. I know those people, and I know what it's like to be in leadership, and sometimes it is not easy. And Moses says, anybody but me, God. Send anybody but me. Where are you at? What's God calling you to do? I've had conversations with some of you over the last few months that you're talking about, hey, God's begin to work in your heart and bubble up in your spirit about doing something new and doing whatever, and you're kind of struggling with it and fighting with it. The average age of a person at seminary where you go and be trained to be a pastor or whatever is 37 years old now. That means a lot of men and women are struggling with the call of what God, they're doing the Moses thing, send anybody but me. And so for 18, 19, however many years, they're struggling with this call. And so so many men and women are in seminary and they're saying, man, I've missed out on the opportunity of what God has, some of the things that God had for me because I've been struggling doing other things. I've made lots of money and I had a great life and all this stuff, but something was missing from my life because I wasn't pursuing what God had called me to do. And listen, some of you, maybe not called to ministry, but you're called to ministry at the place that you're already at and you're still doing the same thing. God, send anyone else, make have this conversation with anyone else but me. I know this man, I know this woman over here need me to talk Jesus with them and share them a little bit about my faith story, but please send anyone but me. Because I'm afraid that if I begin that conversation, what are they going to think? about me and the perception that I've built up about who I am and what I'm about is immediately going to fall down and they're going to see a different person and now now that they know that I know Jesus and they, that's confirmed that I proclaim this Christianity thing that I'm going to totally have to be different and they're going to be watching me 24-7 and I'm not ready for that call and that's what Moses was saying is, listen God I, I'm okay with all this different stuff but please do not send me listen how many of us have saying that here's what I want you to grasp this morning all of us are in a place, sometimes somewhere, where God says, I want you to do this. And it's in that moment that we begin this internal struggle with God. God, I, I, I see all this, and all the things are lining up, but please send anyone but me. Look at my past. Look at who I am. Look at the things that I'm not good at. And God's saying, listen, I'm calling you, and here's why. And what I want you to grasp this morning is God says this about you. Number one is that you were called by Christ. 
First Peter 5.10 says this, In His kindness, literally in His grace, in this gift that He's given you that He doesn't expect anything back from, God has called you. It's a specific call that He called out to you. That's why whenever Lazarus was raised from the dead, Jesus called out and He said, Lazarus, come forth. Because if He just said, come forth, everything that wasn't alive would have come out. That would have freaked everybody out. So whenever God calls out, He calls specifically to you. He's called you by grace, to His eternal glory in Jesus Christ. In other words, He's specifically calling each one of us. Some of you in this place have accepted this call and you've said, hey, I hear Jesus specifically talking to me and I've moved in response to that and I've received that grace and that gift. And so here I am in a relationship with Him. First Peter 2.9, you are a chosen people. That you have a covenant. That Some of you, you've been to a wedding and this man and this woman, actually the woman's here and the man's here, they're here together and they're standing together. And what they're doing is they have said, hey, I have chosen this person. They look across and they're starry-eyed and they're looking at each other and saying, wow, I cannot believe that you chose me and vice versa. And they're in love, right? And so they're looking across and in that moment before one another, they are making a covenant with one another to live life for an eternity together, or at least what this time is, okay? Whether that's 30, 40, 50 years of life, we're covenanting together. And so they're literally saying, hey, woman here, man here, I'm taking the salt from my life, from my packet, and I'm putting my salt from my packet into your packet. So they're exchanging salt with one another. And that the only way that that covenant can be broken is that we're saying, I can get the exact granules of salt that I've put in your packet, I can pull it out and put it back in mine, which is... An impossibility. That's what God says with us, is that I've made a covenant with you, my people. That I've chosen you, I've called you by name, and I've called you out to receive this gift. And in that moment, I've made a covenant with you, and I'm saying, listen, I've chosen you to be the bride. And so I'm exchanging salt, and I'm putting my salt in your salt pouch, and you're in mine. And so that this forever, we have a binding agreement of doing life together. The only way that you can get out of this relationship with me is if you peek into God's salt packet and pick out the exact salt granules that you've given to Him. And listen, that's an impossibility. And God not only says, listen, you can, you can pursue doing that. God says, I don't even pursue looking for the salt. I'm in covenant relationship with you and I desire to do life with you forever. It's a beautiful image for us. If you've ever been to a wedding ceremony and the two candles are there and they take the two candles and the husband and wife's family, they come together and what do they do? They put those Two flames. Y'all been to weddings, right? Y'all looking at me. You haven't been to weddings. This is not a mystery, okay? So they take these two candles and they put them together. What happens? Those two become one. They're indistinguishable, aren't they? It's the same idea as that these two become one. God the Father with us becomes one with us. And now we're in a relationship and it's indistinguishable. That when people look at us and they see the light of Christ in us, it's indistinguishable that we've received the gift of Christ and we're in covenant with Him and that we're doing life. And that, listen, there's no way that you can pull that apart. There's no way that you can separate that flame because it's become two have become one. And that's that covenant relationship that we have with Christ. It's the security of us as believers that, listen, we can walk the darkest place places that God has called us to, and it may seem the most unsafe place to anyone else, but as God has called us to that place that may seem unsafe to anyone else because of this covenant relationship that He's called us and He's chosen us, it's the safest place because it's His will. 
And so you could be walking in the midst of African tribes and arrows can be going and you may get struck and you may not get struck, but that is the safest place if that's where God has called you to be because you're his chosen child, his unique child with a unique call, and he's got a covenant with you and you alone. And he desires to see and to work out his unique call for you because only you throughout eternity can fulfill the call that he has upon your life. You're called by Christ, his very own possession. This is so that he can show others the goodness of God, that he has called you specifically to this task. That's the beauty of what a community is. I loved Fall Festival on Wednesday night. And one of the comments that we got from community, people that don't attend here, is that I love the fact that you guys do this Fall Festival and everyone went over the top decorating your trunks and the amount of time and energy that went into that and the amount of men that were here volunteering. It was exciting to see all the different volunteers, but it was the way that you guys loved one another and that you loved on people around it. There was, there was no distinguishing who was a part of the church other than there was people doing trunks, but there were so many people walking around. And that's the marker of the New Testament church is that the people would look at the New Testament church and they're saying, we were drawn to that place, to those places where people were gathered because the people loved one another like no one else loved one another. And that's beautiful. And that's for us as a people to continue to be called out in this covenant relationship and understand that we are called by Christ to love one another and to grow in that. The second thing I want you to get, not only are you called by Christ, but you're capable through Christ. Philippians 4.13, I can do everything. In other words, God is sufficient. He's more than sufficient who gives you strength to endure. He gives you the strength to endure. Like I said, it's been a crazy week. And one of the things this week that happened in our life is my, my father-in-law is, is on hospice care and he's going to pass away this week. And um, It's just to hear the last words of someone who knows that, hey, this is it. So that every time a loved one comes in, what are the final words that are going to be? You know what? Not once. As my father-in-law said, wow, I'm glad. I'm glad, Steve, you were good at football. Becky, I'm glad that you could sing. Every time it's been, I love you because you're my child, and we're in relationship together, and you are more than enough for me. And that's what Christ is saying to us. Quit performing. I've chosen you. I've called you. You, you yourself are more than enough. You are sufficient. I just want you to be in my presence. And through that, as we do the things that you called us to do, it's about us being in a relationship. I can do everything. He is more than sufficient to give you the strength to endure whatever stinky week you're going to walk through. He's more than enough to walk through that. You've been called by Christ. You've been made capable by Christ. Romans 8.37, one of my most favorite passages in Romans, Romans chapter 8, that we are more than conquerors. In other words, we are overwhelming victors. That You, you know, whenever God wins, He doesn't just win by a point. He demolishes 
That's why we talked about even last week that he wants to demolish the strongholds. He doesn't want to just brick by brick. He wants to throw dynamite at it and blow it and get it gone so that you can move forward in freedom. That you are overwhelming victors through Christ. It's not of our own strength, but through Him, victory happens. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, such confidence as this is ours through Christ Jesus, that you can do the things that God called you to do, that we see Moses' story, that he's in leadership and as he moves forward, he gains more confidence in that the calling that God's given. He gains more confidence in his gifts and his skills, not because of those things, but as he, God has moved in him and made progress with him, that he began to get confidence, not just in himself, but in the God that had called him. And that God was going to take care of him. And that God was going to provide for him. And that's the, the beauty of a relationship. Is that there are things that you're longer you're in a relationship with someone. And it's a true, honest relationship. You can share things and, and talk about things. And the further you get in a relationship, you're one to you're 50. You're going to be talking about things. And you're going to be at a whole other depth, level of depth in your relationship with someone at year 50 than at year one. Am I right? I haven't lived 50 years, but I'm assuming that's right. Some of you that have been married for 25, 35, 45 years, your conversations at times have been a lot deeper and a lot more raw and a lot more authentic than maybe even during your dating time. And that you know that you know that you know this person, and that's the truth for us, is that as we grow in this relationship with God, there's a development of trust, and that there's this progressive revelation. Even throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, God has progressively revealed Himself. Jesus could not have come in Exodus because the people were not ready. God has progressively revealed Himself. So the exact moment, the exact right time, Jesus showed up during Pax Romana when there were the highways and all this stuff so that the gospel message could be spread exactly the way that it needed to be spread in that moment. And that God has called each of you just for this moment, just for this time, your gifts, your skills, your knowledge, your passion, your heartbeat for injustice, whatever God's building within you. For such a time as this, God is calling you. He's made you capable for this through Christ and He's empowering you. and He's in developing trust in Him so that you can go to the places that He's calling you to be. Because listen, if you think you can do it on your own, you're going to fail. But if you know that you know that you know that God has called you to this place and you can do it through Him and your confidence and your competence comes from Him, you can do all things through Christ. And you can do all things through Christ because you understand it's not about you, it's about Him. And He's going to be walking with you, before you, behind you, in front of you. And He's got your back, He's got your front, He's going to fight the fight, but you're in the job with Him. You're called by Christ and you're capable by Christ. But then also, the third thing I want you to grasp is that you're complete in Christ. That your location is in Him. Second Peter 1.3 His divine power has given us everything we need. The Greek translates into everything. Y'all know what everything is? Everybody say everything. Okay, that's not nothing. That's not some things. It's not part of the things. That is everything. Okay? He provides everything you need. His divine power. Everything you need. You just got to ask. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. For in Christ, literally our location is in Christ. For in Christ, the fullness of God okay, lives in a human body. And you are complete. One of the things that I told students for a long time when I was a student pastor, and I tell couples even today in marriage counseling, pre-marriage counseling, as I said, look at that person across from you and understand that that man or that woman across from you does not complete you. Our world teaches us that the man or the woman that we're going to marry is going to complete us. They don't. They can't. 
That's not their job. Their job is a helpmate. Their job is a partner, but not a completer. The only person that completes is the person of Jesus Christ. Because whenever we say yes to the gift of Jesus Christ and we receive that, He takes residence with inside of us and this poor old place, an innoble place, becomes a noble place, a house of worship because God takes residence with inside of this place and it becomes a holy place. And therefore now I am made complete through Christ. That my wife, as much as I love her, she's not going to complete me. So if that's what you're looking for, quit. Begin to find completion through Christ at your union. Again, this idea of covenant with Him is that He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You are called by Christ. You're made capable by Christ. You are completed in Christ. What's He calling you to do? What is Christ calling you to do that you're not doing because you've believed a lie? And that you're finding your identity. You're believing a lie about your past. You're believing a lie about what someone else has said, said about you or th- things that you think about yourself. And you say, God, anybody else, please. God, I understand what you're telling me, but please send someone else but me. Here's the deal. Here's what I know. Is that your fullness of life and the completion of life is found when you find what God wants you to do and you pursue it. It's not perfect. You're not perfect more full life and the joy that passes understanding, the peace that passes understanding when you know you can walk places and do things and be a part of things that you never thought you could be a part of when you begin to capture the thoughts and the lies and allow Scripture to speak truth and to find your true identity in Christ and what He wants you to do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, all of us in this room, admit that there are things that You've called us to do that we've walked away from, big and small, because we believe lies. Father, I pray that there are those in this room right now that are struggling and debating and saying anything, anyone but me. And Father, I pray that this morning maybe You would just dig a little deeper in their heart and mind and soul and Allow them to capture the truth, Father, that they would, through that, that they would be able to see that you have great and mighty things that you want them to do. And even if that great and mighty thing is looking to the person to the right or to the left at at the dinner table or lunch table and saying, here's who I am, here's what Jesus means to me, well, I know that for many of us, even just sharing our faith with our loved ones is the scariest thing we can possibly do. So I just pray for everyone in this room that this would just be a moment and a time that they would just say, God, please send me. Here I am. Send me. For I want to bring you glory and honor. It's a broken gift, but I want to bring you glory and honor. It's in your Son's name that we pray.